Next on BYU Sports Nation, running down a dream. What kind of production do you expect from a reloaded BYU rushing attack? Fox Sports' Stuart Mandel anticipates a lot of offense in Saturday's game. He'll join us live with his projected point total, and will BYU get it to the Big 12? Plus, the mastermind of the BYU offensive line, Mike Empey. What does he expect from his guys after losing two significant players? Let's go! This is BYU Sports Nation, brought to you by the BYU Store. Simulcast on BYU-TV and BYU-Radio. Now, from Studio B, here's Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan. BYU Sports Nation live in Radio Vision, presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere, Thursday, September. Yeah, baby! First. Wherever and however you're dialed in, great to have you with us. I am Spencer Linton, teamed up with a man who has been to 271 concerts in his lifetime, Jerem Jordan close to that, but it's not quite that number. I, you went to Coldplay last night. Number uh, Regret number 42 of my life is that I didn't go. You've updated your Google Doc with that? Yes, I have a list of 500 things I regret. <laughs> I love when people say, I have no regrets. I'm like, you need to work harder. <laughs> Holy schnackies. You've satisfied everything you've done. I did everything I could do on this, this, this. Come on. I learned a couple of things last night at the Coldplay concert. One, they put on a fantastic show. It's unbelievable yeah. the production value involved with a high-end band like that. Like, I've seen Coldplay. I just didn't go last night. It yeah. was so cool. Secondly, I learned that I am old, man. You are old. I got home last Trust night. Trust me, I have a great view of how old you are. <laughs> <laughs> Point, Jerem. I got home last night, and I was just absolutely spent. Like I, I don't know that I felt that tired in a very long time because you expend so much energy in... That environment, yeah. jumping around, and I was just like, man, I'm I'm old. You're the mosh pit guy that's like in his 30s. You weren't on the floor, but you would have been. <laughs> you would have been. Um, I, I did accidentally elbow the girl next to me in oh, the head. Oh, <laughs> She looked at me like, you idiot. I, and I was like, I'm so sorry. And she's like, it's okay. I'm the guy that's jumping around, and I bump the girl that's with her boyfriend, and then the boyfriend stares me down, and I'm like, please, <laughs> please don't hurt me. Yeah, uh, we should we should mention today is September first, as you mentioned. Uh, six years ago today, BYU declared its football independence. Now that was super cool six years ago. BYU wants into the Big Twelve now, so that's not as big a deal. Like every year, this used to be like a funny day. We'd like, yeah, independence, man. Now it's like, can BYU get into the Big Twelve? And we were having some fun with what was cool in 2010. How much was a gallon of gas in 2010? A gallon of milk. Who was what the was, president? What was the uh, song of the year, the best movie. <laughs> Wait, that was six years ago. That's what? No, no. Oh, happy Independence Day for BYU football. Do we still have the independent music? I <laughs> with the what's that instrument that they use uh, in the late 1700s? The, Is it, it the the fife, something flute, the, drum, the piccolo? piccolo. The <laughs> yeah, I I really think we need like some band members from BYU to just come in here and play some music occasionally. That's my <laughs> that's my dying wish for this show. Oh, good stuff, man. We're off to a rip roaring start in September. Apparently we don't have that music, by the way. And here are today's <laughs> BYU Sports Nation headlines. BYU football is almost here. Countdown to the Wildcats. Two days away. I can't believe it. Just let that soak in a little bit. I'm getting bit. emotional thinking about it. 
Soak it in, BYU I really, Sports I really Nation. am. I'm getting emotional thinking about this because the journey has been so long for this dumb countdown all the way. All the way. Now it's not dumb, right? We're, like, all stoked. Um, I just want to thank my family. I'm so excited. <laughs> and I love my roommate. <laughs> a classic tale of BYU. We are giddy. It's yes! just it's a great time of the year. It's almost relief, too. Like, tonight there's college football, right? Four BYU football opponents play, by the way. That team up north hosts uh, Southern, that team up down south, uh, Cincinnati, and Utah State. They all play today. Check out – do some scouting reports, BYU Sports Nation. Break down some film, see how the O-lines are, uh, how many pancake blocks they have and stuff. There may or may not be a ton of confetti involved in the show tomorrow. It's, it is going to be a crazy – Mess in here. I can't wait. We're going to do the show in garbage. An actual game, and there's going to be garbage on the set. It's going to be great. Is there anything greater? Oh, by the way, we'll go two-on-one with BYU football offensive line coach Mike Empey in 15 minutes to discuss the opener against Arizona on Saturday. He did give us an update on the status of two of his linemen, Brad Wilcox and Kyle Johnson. Brad is a senior, but academically – he had a challenge that he couldn't overcome, and so because of that, he won't have eligibility for this season. Um, and uh, Kyle Johnson, he's, it's just documented. He's had some, some injuries. More on that and the other offensive line notes with their coach, Mike Empey, in about 15 minutes. Sources tell ESPN the Big 12 has whittled its expansion candidates down to 12. Remember yesterday we had that number down to 9, but, so ESPN sources say 12. I've heard 8, 9, and now 12. The point is, BYU is among them. Yes. The new candidates mentioned yesterday that were not mentioned previously are Colorado State, Air Force, Rice, SMU, Temple, and Tulane. Boise State not mentioned in either of the reports. TV market, too small. Sorry. Ashley Hatch was named the NCAA Player of the Week after scoring all three goals in BYU's 3-2 upset win over Penn State. The ladies now ranked number 10 in the country. And Ziggy Ansah, Kyle Vannoy, and the Detroit Lions play the Bills at 7.30 Eastern tonight in the final week in games of uh, the exhibition season for the NFL. DeAndre Wesley and the Ravens take on the Saints. Robertson, Daniel, and the Packers match up with Daniel Sorensen and the Chiefs. And Paul Lasica and the Bears play the Browns. All those games kick off at 8 Eastern. It's time to rise and shout. Get set for what's trending. You're talking about it, and so are we. It's what's trending on BYU Sports Nation. Running down a dream. I think that's the first time I've sung a Tom Petty lyric on this show. What took so long? I know, right? At least I wasn't singing Free Fallen. Or Free Horses, according to Jimmy Fallon. The return of Taysom Hill, Jamal Williams, and the full implementation of Washington State Transfer Squally Canada is in full effect on Saturday. Those names would suggest the BYU rushing attack is back. Or maybe you're still skeptical. Either way, you should answer today's Twitter question. What do you expect from the BYU run game this season? Use the hashtag BYUSN. If if you're skeptical, tell us why. Who's skeptical? With Taysom Hill and Jamal Williams back. Uh, My opinion in a moment, but use the hashtag BYUSN. At still Team Riley who amazingly is still Team Riley. Still some run, Taysom run, but much much more run Riley, run Squally, run Algie, and run Jamal run. Now we learned something. Riley Burt tweeted out a picture or a, a sent out an Instagram post that said this is the year of the red shirt. Now yesterday on Facebook Live, we, we were asked that question. Did we, do we see where is he in the mix? Why haven't we heard him? Could he red shirt? And I said I didn't think that he would red shirt this year. So I am surprised that came out. But that's the plan before game one. 
There's there's always a shot he plays, of yes. course. Situations change, right? Red shirts can be pulled depending on injuries and, yeah. and personnel Why issues for sure. Come I on. don't know. Come on. Yeah, at BYU, can we call it a blue shirt? <laughs> a classic BYU thing, right? <laughs> that I just brought up. So we learned that, but still, you have Taysom Hill, Jamal Williams, Squally Canada, and Algie Brown. Mm, three seniors. Plenty of experience there. Now, perhaps this is a simple... As examining the past when you're talking about expectations for the 2016 season. And specifically, the health record of two of BYU's top 10 all-time rushers. Look at 2013. Taysom Hill and Jamal Williams were healthy all season. The numbers were great. In 2014, Taysom and Jamal were healthy half-ish of the season. And it was average. What about 2015, Jerem? Man, it stunk. It was really bad. In fact, it was so bad, it was the lowest uh, rushing yard total and per game total for BYU since the last losing record year of 2004. It's no... It was so bad. It was so bad. And obviously, uh, Jamal Williams pulling out in August, uh, taking a red shirt for the season, uh, was part of that. Taysom Hill being injured in game one was a huge part of that, obviously. We're seeing a pattern here, aren't we? 13, great. 2014, meh. 2015, not good. In 2016, with Taysom Hill and Jamal Williams 100% healthy going into the season, if they can stay that way, it suggests that it will be great again. You decide. And listen to this stat of the day. It's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day. In 2013, BYU rushed for a school record 3,457. By comparison, last year, half that. Half that! Now, BYU's offense was go fast, go hard. Robert and I was back. There was a lot more volume. That kind of volume will not exist this season with Ty Detmer as the offensive coordinator. I'm not only talking about yards, but I'm talking about the number of plays, right? Yeah, keep that in mind. It will be less. It will be less. But BYU was 10th in the country. They were fantastic. I think the answer to this Twitter question is that BYU, Jamal Williams is br- going to break the uh, career rushing record of Harvey Unga and be number one all-time BYU history. I think that BYU will average 150-plus in rushing per game. Um, and I think it kind of depends, too, on how these receivers do. You get into games, you think you know what's going to happen, and then you adapt based on how successful your personnel is at doing that. Also, we have no discussion about Taysom Hill's specifics to the season, by the way. What I mean by that is, remember every year for Taysom Hill, it was, he needs to be a 60% plus passer. He needs to slide. He needs to run less or whatever. There's no conversation with that, by the way, because of Tanner Mangum. If Taysom Hill happens to have something happen to him, and we don't want that to happen, of course, Tanner Mangum's there. And so Taysom Hill can be Taysom Hill, and you're not afraid of having to bring in the backup and not wonder what he's going to do. Yeah, those that are saying, well, Taysom's going to take it easy. It reminds me of the Sharks <laughs> in Finding Nemo. Fish are our friends. You know, Bruce, the big shark. Okay, but when there's blood s- in the water, <laughs> what happens? Nature takes over. When Taysom Hill gets in the heat of the moment and he's on the two-yard line and he's got to run over three guys in front of him to get into the end zone, nature takes over. Over And this reminds me of uh, Malcolm on Jurassic Park talking about, no, 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 the dinosaurs are going to do what they do. He's like, life will find a way. 
So Taysom Hill at the goal line or on third and short, he's going to make a play. Taysom going to Taysom, people. The, the idea that Taysom Hill wouldn't be Taysom Hill in these situations because he doesn't want to get hurt or something is as foolish as we were in thinking that Kyle Collinsworth would not get a single triple-double last year because there were better forwards on the court. To now, remember. was that a we thing or was that a that you thing? That was so foolish. <laughs> he got six. He equaled the last year. Taysom Hill's going to do what he does even if it's at the risk of freak injury. BYU ran for 267 yards a game in 2013, 128 a game last year with the likes of Algie Brown, Nate Carter, uh, Francis, Francis Bernard, Bernard, and Riley Burt. Algie Brown, by the way, is going to be at least your fourth leading rusher on this team. He was number one last year. When do you have a guy that leads the team and then comes back and he's not even in the top three? Jamal Williams will rush for over 120 yards all by his lonesome in several games this year. That's going to happen. Yes. That's what they average as a team. Goodness, what do you expect from the run game this season? Coming up, Stuart Mandela, Fox Sports, takes another look at BYU and their Big 12 prospects. But first, Mike Empey, the offensive line coach, previews the season opener. BYU Sports Nation presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Simulcast on BYU Radio, moving pictures on BYU TV. Conversation happening right now on Twitter. Follow at BYU Sports Nation. And you know how to get involved. Use the hashtag BYUSN. A shout out to all of you that have done that and continue to do that as we trend and make a movement across the nation. Countdown to kickoff is live on Saturday night, 9.30 Eastern time, to get you ready for BYU in Arizona. Dave McCann will be live at the University of Phoenix Stadium in Glenda, Arizona. Spencer Linton, Blaine Fowler, Brian Logan, and David Nixon will be live here in uh, Studio C of uh, the BYU Broadcasting Building. We'll get you set for that. If you are local and you want to come hang out, uh, you can show up to the building, 8 and up, uh, free pizza at halftime, watch the game on a 27-foot screen, and get on TV before the game on the pregame show. It's a lot of fun. All right, our Twitter question today. What do you expect from the BYU run game this season? We just went through the dynamic of having a healthy Taysom Hill and Jamal Williams for an entire season compared to having them for a partial season and basically none of the season. And it's not surprising the trend that is involved there. Download the podcast to hear that. But what are you expecting from the reloaded BYU backfield. That Nick Lee 51 says, I expect it to be more than just Taysom and Jamal. Squally Canada will have at least 600 rushing yards. Ooh, that's a lot. Because I think Taysom Hill will still be close to a 1,000-yard rusher this year. And Jamal Williams will get over 1,000. 600 rushing yards for Squally Canada is an average of 50 yards a game through 12 regular season games. Mm, that'd, be, that'd be a good number. That'd be a really good number. If the offensive line can do what their coach, Mike Empey, wants them to do, we shall see. It, it looks pretty good, right? All you need to do is give your quarterback three seconds to throw the ball and open up some holes for your horses in the backfield. We discussed how he and his offensive linemen plan on doing that in the pro-style offense, among other things. We're two-on-one with offensive line coach Mike Empey. He is so generous to have taken time away from his golf game and football practice to now join us, Mike Empey. Mike, man, Arizona on Saturday, it's here. And I know we talked a lot over the summer about how exciting this all is. Now, now you're in game week. How are your emotions right now? Well, I think, you know, everybody is ex- excited, maybe a little anxiety, um, and just ready to move forward and play somebody, you know, play somebody else other than ourselves. 
The depth chart came out. It is what it is. You have to produce something. You may not be 100% truthful with that or whatever, but there were some surprises in that the two Southern Utah guys, Kean Norman and Andrew Eide, uh, were listed as starters in that. Yeah, they've done a good job. They've had a good camp. You know, I've never, in 23 years, I've never seen so much interest in uh, O-line too deep. You know, I've heard more about the depth chart than anything else this summer, and I don't understand the appeal. Uh, you know, we're going to have a first team and a second team, and the guys that are playing the best and give you the best chance right now are the first team, and they've had a good camp. They're doing a good job. We're not perfect. We, we still have work to do, but you know, we feel like this lineup is going to give us the best chance to get off to a good start. The key word in depth chart is depth, and I know that's a big one for you because you want guys – that are perfecting their craft in that specific position. How close to are are you to to being in a position where you want to be with the offensive line? Well, we, we just had a we thought we had a lot more experience coming back, and um, we we felt like all along our goal would be to develop and have a really quality backup group that could rotate in. Because in the course of a season, you just never know how long a guy's going to last or how close you are to to losing someone you know especially to an injury or even in the course of a game where there's an emergency and someone's helmet comes off and they have to come out for a play and whatever else you just can't scramble in those situations so we wanted to make sure that we felt really solid about our backups Um, and we got started and we didn't have some of the guys we thought would be first teamers Um, we got a lot of reps for guys and opportunities for guys that were down the line a little bit probably earlier than they would have gotten so it's sort of a uh you know it's whatever your perspective is you know it's a down it's a downside to lose guys with experience um but it's an opportunity for young guys that you're trying to build around for the future and so we got them in we got a lot of reps with them they got a lot of work this summer and and uh you know we're still a ways off from being a a veteran line that's had 100 starts um but i really like the talent that we have there and i feel like they're coming along and uh you know, there's there's no way to manufacture a senior group. So we work with who we have, we get them experience, we coach them up, we focus on the things that we're strong with, and uh, then we try to build from there. So I think some of the things that are a challenge for us this year are going to be a strength for us next year as as we return those guys. So I think we're building depth right now. We have we have guys here that we feel excited about, but we're building our future depth right now. You mentioned uh, some of those veterans you were hoping that would come back, uh, Brad Wilcox, uh, Kyle Johnson, and whatnot. Uh, what is the status of those guys relative to the season as a whole? Well, and to be fair to Brad, you know, we tried to just not comment mm-hmm. on whoever wasn't in camp with us. Sure. And sometimes when you just don't comment, you can leave things out there in the, and people want to speculate on things. You know, Brad is a senior, and academically he had some struggles through summer that he worked really hard on. He's, a, he's taking some classes that he needed to graduate. And uh, NCAA makes you show progress towards graduation. And um, he's not in trouble with us. We love him. I wish we could have him back. But academically, he had a challenge that he couldn't overcome. And so because of that, he won't have eligibility for the season. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Kyle Johnson, he's, it's just documented. He's had some, some injuries. He started for a couple of years, put his body out there for a couple of years. and. And so, you know, the status for Kyle is, is different because um, it's, it's 100% dependent on his body. Um, and, you know, for us right now, with a game on September 3rd, neither one of those situations can factor in. So we got a lot of work for a lot of people 
and we were able to just develop them and say, hey, listen, this is your spot. Go. We're going to have to work here. You're going to have to get better. We're going to teach you. And you don't need to look over your shoulder and think that as soon as somebody else comes back, you're out of there because mm-hmm. you're the guy. So that kind of helps a little bit sometimes, too. In terms of protecting your quarterback, Taysom Hill, and opening up gaps for your star running back, Jamal Williams, how well does your offensive line understand a new pro-style offense uh, after just one summer of, of implementing that? They're, they're doing fine. I think right now we've tried to get to the point where scheme-wise everybody's on the same page. They understand what to do. We throw a different look at them or a different stunt at them. You know, we're learning and, and things like that. But uh, I think the the where we spend most of our time right now is just our technique, making sure we can handle some of the things that they're doing. Uh, scheme-wise, I think we've kept it, you know, relatively streamlined so that we could teach them really fast and they can have confidence in it and go hard. We're going to do our part to make sure that when a touchdown pass is thrown or when a touchdown run happens, the offensive line, the line. gets as much the credit line. as the that. actual participants. I, love that. I appreciate that. <laughs> because there's interest in the depth chart right now. We should carry that through, right? <laughs> That's right. Don't just forget about us once the season starts. <laughs> depth chart, man. I, I thought the key word to that was chart, by the way. I didn't know it was depth. I hope, was we, do, I hope we do a good enough job that you guys just don't ever have anything to talk about and uh, we're not we're standing out in any particular way. Yeah. Just get our job done. Luckily, we don't have a daily show to have to talk about everything. Oh, wait, um, what? There was a lot of conversation about um, in years past about Taysom and running and not running. Whatnot. Have you had a conversation with you guys about, okay, once Taysom leaves the pocket, we here's the drill because that can happen a little more with him. I think – the conversation for us starts with we're going to try to give him a pocket that fits what we're asking him to do. Um, we're not going to go out there and say, hey, taste him right or taste him left. So <laughs> if we're if we're trying to protect for him and he leaves, he's going to make us all look great because he's really good when he improvises and leaves and goes and does those things. But to start the play out, our thought is just to protect him and stay in the protection as long as possible. So anybody, if I know you guys haven't been out at practice through most of our stuff, but most of the time I'm working and encouraging that we hold that protection as long as we possibly can. And then if Taysom leaves, he's going to be gone so fast that none of our guys are going to help him out much at that point anyways. (laughs) So, you know, uh, uh, the big thing for us is just to make sure that we don't let anybody run free on him and then he can decide, you know, when and if he wants to improvise. And uh, he's a great athlete. If he's going to go do that, he's going to do it well. So, you know, the best thing we can do is just keep him on his feet so he can make good decisions. Mike Empey is spitting truth bombs right now. Just just left and right. When Taysom gets outside of the pocket. We can't do anything. (laughs) How long long is, like, the ideal pro-style pocket? I mean, how many seconds do you want it to last? I think – most of our schemes, most of the things we try to do, if you're throwing on time, the ball's usually out around three seconds, you know, three, 3.2. Usually if you're in a timing situation, that's what it is. If you're in three-step, maybe it's a little bit faster. That's probably universal. I don't, I don't think I'm sharing any trade secrets. Um, our goal at BYU from back in the day, even before I played here with Coach French, was to have a four-second pocket. And so we try to gear everything around the idea that if we can create a pocket that we can sustain, the quarterback ought to be able to do whatever he needs to do and the receivers have time to do what they need to do. And then if the quarterback needs to step up or scramble or do anything else, we just want to stay stay busy and and, and keep blocking as long as we can. But, you know, if we can give uh, in, you know, in any type of a route scheme, if you're giving the quarterback three seconds or three and a half seconds, it, you sh- it should be plenty as long as nobody's right, right in, in his face. 
What kind of competition to earn back or keep uh, the starting center spot was there for Tijan Karoma? Well, Tijan just didn't have the benefit of going through spring. So all of the language that we use, the terminology, the the schemes, the um, the technical part of what I teach and what I'm expecting, what I'm evaluating and judging every day, um, he didn't know. And then he and I didn't have any kind of personal relationship because he was uh, not here. So, uh, you know, just the, the ability to know how he needs to hear things when I'm giving him feedback and how, how he can express to me what he needs, you know, when he's giving me feedback and, and just a relationship where I know, you know, maybe this time he would have had that if we would have kept going, you know, things where you give a player the trust or benefit of the doubt to do their thing. You know, we just never had a chance to establish any of those things. So he had a lot to overcome on that. Plus, he had, you know, players that are playing really well and still does. You know, um, we can move Parker to center anytime we want to. We felt like moving Parker to guard gave us a chance to have our five best linemen in the game at the same time. It wasn't because he wasn't going to play at center. It's because we felt like that gave us our five best guys to, uh, in the front. And uh, so Parker can, can play. We have Quinn right behind him, and Quinn is a – He's just a nasty dog. He wants to play so bad, and he'll fight, and he's in there battling in there. So, you know, Tijon is the, gives us the best chance to win right now, and he's doing a great job for us. He's really uh, earned that spot. But, you know, we have competition, and we have guys that can play. And at that spot, at center, because we kind of went through spring and had to improvise a little bit and make sure that we covered ourselves with depth, you know, I think we're, 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 you know, we have two or three guys that can hold that spot down. And I think Tijon came in and he should have confidence right now that he won that spot and beat out some good players. Not that he just walked in and had it given to him. You've, it's safe to say you've faced some unexpected challenges early on in your return to BYU with guys not coming back and then having to go through a situation like you did with Tijon. But, do you, I mean, in a weird way, do you almost en- enjoy having to go through those challenges and... and how every day is different because of that? Yeah, it's just the, that's the job, you know. I don't have to go sell a million dollars worth of product to hit a quota right now. I have to develop a group of offensive linemen that will work as a unit. And doing that has its own challenges, and it has ups and downs and disappointments and things that come out of the out of left field and then exciting things. I had a couple guys come home from missions that just have me so excited about the future, you know. That's things that were really positive. So, I try to not get too high or too low. I try to have my group not get too high or too low and just try to have a blue-collar kind of a next-man-up mentality that, you know, if somebody isn't able to go, the next guy's ready, and uh, everybody has that mentality that they have to be sharp and going, and I think that keeps it – that mixes it up. It doesn't get monotonous <laughs> in any way. <laughs> Tell us about the blind side. So the left tackle, Andrade, grad transfer, Southern Utah, Ed Lamb brought him up. Also, Kean Norman – the left guard. These guys are newcomers uh, to the program and have been here just a couple of months. Yeah, blindside, the way that, you know, uh, Taysom's got eyes in the back of his head, so I don't think we really have a blindside. Um, I think, uh, you know, when you look at that left side, you definitely want to have it be stout, but you need the right side to be stout too, you know. And so, you know, Kean and and, uh, Andrew, it just kind of worked out that that was – where they were, I could put Kean at right guard right now, and he would switch over and be fine on the right side. I think Andrew, right now, if I switched him over, we would do that. Louis really comfortable on the right side, and uh, you know, Kean played left tackle last year, so he's he hasn't had as much time at left tackle. So for him, keeping him on the left side gave him carryover from his learning from before, 
And so it just kind of worked that way, and, and I feel comfortable with it. And I reserve the right to make sure that we always have our best lineup. So, you know, I think those guys are going to be awesome. But, you know, if anything goes down, we might have to shuffle the deck a little bit. Um, but, you know, I, I feel like that was our best five in the best spots to, to get started with the season. And, and uh, I have a lot of confidence in them. I, you know, we're not perfect, but, uh, but I like the lineup that we have right now for, for what we want to do. It's a good place for us to start. What kind of reception do you anticipate at the University of Phoenix Stadium in Glendale, Arizona in just a few days? Well, I heard that, that we've sold a lot of tickets, and uh, I know from experience that BYU travels well. And, and so I, mean, I, I think we'll have a crowd that comes out to support us, and I think the guys are aware of that, probably a lot of family. We're bringing a couple guys on the traveling squad that are from Phoenix so their families can be there and you know stuff like that. So I think it'll be a warm welcome. I think we won't have any excuses. The weather will be perfect. The field will be perfect. <laughs> the fans will be great. I think it's just time for us to finally get out on the field and, and uh, get going with the season. Go get some SPF 50 on those arms. I think I think because this interview was right in the sun, you may have we may have sunburned your arms. So <laughs> I'll be all right. <laughs> Thanks, Mike. Thank you. What do you expect from the BYU run game this season behind that offensive line that Mike Empey just gave us a nice insight into? Now two days away from game number one. Still to come on BYU Sports Nation. Offensive lineman Brad Wilcox, we just learned, out for the season. Ineligible. Is that a big deal or no deal? But first, Fox Sports' Stuart Mandel. He's calling for a shootout between BYU and Arizona. Just how many points does he expect, and who does he have winning the game? This is BYU Sports Nation. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation, everyone. Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan in Radio Vision live on BYU Radio, simulcasting on BYU TV, presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. In addition to our pre- and post-game coverage of BYU Arizona, we have women's soccer Friday night. The 10th-ranked BYU Cougars host the Tennessee Volunteers, 9 Eastern time on BYU TV. You can listen on BYU Radio as well. How will BYU respond after having the nation's longest home win streak snapped in a loss to Nebraska and then going on the road and beating the defending national champions in State College? It's a good string of opponents for BYU right now. They're playing uh, a nice schedule. They play Utah. They still have to play, uh, what, Ohio State, I think, after that? That's right. Loaded schedule. Let's refresh today's BYUSN headlines. BYU football two days away. Offensive line coach Mike Empey had – told us that Brad Wilcox and Kyle Johnson will be out for the year. How much will that impact BYU's team on Saturday? Joining us now on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline is Fox Sports College football insider and co-host of the popular podcast, The Audible, which can be heard on foxsports.com, iTunes, SoundCloud, and wherever podcasts are found. Stuart, welcome back to BYU Sports Nation. Thanks for having me. Tonight, college football really begins. BYU-Arizona on Saturday. What is this day and this weekend like for you? Well, after spending the last two months, first of all, SEC Media Days was almost two months ago. So the preview season is almost as long as the regular season. So I'm just so excited to stop (laughs) talking about preseason this and preseason that and get a taste of these teams for the first time, a lot of whom, you know, you just you don't have a read on yet. You want to see them uh, out there. By the end of the weekend, I'm sure there will be teams that we've spent two months hyping up that will seem like they were frauds and vice versa. We'll all have knee-jerk reactions. So I'm really excited for it. While uh, actual football games 
or played tonight. The Big 12 still is in the headlines as Expansion Watch 2016. Who know how? Who knows how long this is going to go? Apparently and reportedly has been whittled down. Any surprises in that uh, for you? Maybe I know you've been tweeting about Boise State being out. That's probably the biggest surprise. I mean, I've never expected Boise State to actually get an invite to the Big 12. But if you're if there are still, in fact, 12 teams on the list, including Tulane um, <laughs> and some others that don't have nearly the recent football history of Boise State, it's certainly surprising if they didn't at least make it that far. When uh, Brett McMurphy from ESPN did tweet out that list last night, I started looking up the school's academic ranking. And not surprisingly, when, when, when presidents of universities are involved, all of those schools that did make the list are highly ranked at least top 200 in the uh, U.S. news rankings, and Boise is not, and Memphis, who we're not 100% sure got left out yet, but it sure seems that way, also not in that list. So it tells you that at least at this stage of the game, academics is playing a, uh, is, is carrying a, a role uh, in their decisions. Talking with Stuart Mandel, Fox Sports College football insider on BYU Sports Nation. When do you think the Big 12 Conference will expand, if at all? Well, that's the key phrase, if at all, because even after all this trouble, I believe it remains a very, very much a possibility that they'll end up saying they're not expanding, in part because they might have trouble getting eight out of ten presidents to agree on two teams. But I would still say that expanding by two is the most likely option. October 17th is a key date. That's the next time the board of directors, the school presidents, are regularly scheduled to meet. doesn't mean they couldn't do something before then, but this process has already moved so slowly. I mean, it's been six weeks since they first said they were going to even begin exploring this. I would be surprised if there's a resolution before that date in mid-October. I was just going to ask you, uh, do you think the games will slow down this process? Because there's more time spent uh, now that students are you know, back in school now or in the next coming weeks, not to mention the season, which is the point of all of this. Well, I'm sure the Big 12 hopes that the season and the games will start overshadowing this and that it won't get I mean I have to think that they're embarrassed everybody here is embarrassed that this has been such a public process many times when conferences expand I think of um, the Big Ten adding Maryland and Rutgers there was no prior warning it just happened uh, publicly at least ACC as well most conferences do this in a very private matter a manner so as not to embarrass I mean Boise State that's an embarrassing thing for them to happen and nobody needed to know that that was a possibility. So this whole thing has been very public and very hard on the schools that are trying so hard to get in. And I'm sure they're hoping that the games will overshadow it. And, and they will to some extent, but there's too much at stake here. Obviously, schools like BYU are, are not going to stop paying attention to who every little development with Big 12 realignment. From everything that you have heard over this now six weeks plus of expansion, exploration from the Big 12 and their presidents and everything that goes into that, if it is two teams, who are the two teams that you feel are most likely to receive an invitation to the Big 12? Well, not to be a cop-out, but what I keep telling people is there are three teams. In my mind, you know, forget the list of 12. Realistically, there are three schools competing for two spots, and those three schools are BYU, Houston, and Cincinnati. Of those three, I think Cincinnati is the safest just because it's always been assumed that if they expanded, they'd want to go east and get a a geographic partner to West Virginia. And Cincinnati obviously has a lot going for it athletically. How they would decide on the other two, 
you know, there, there's a contingent that thinks Houston is a no-brainer. They have a lot of support in the state of Texas. And there's, uh, you know, contingent outside state of Texas that feels like they would get hurt in recruiting if Houston, in that city, if Houston suddenly had Power 5 membership. And with BYU, it's no secret to you guys. You know, it's a matter that they have all the, everything you want to check off athletically. It's a matter of whether the LGBT issue will end up weighing them down with the president. Luckily, there's a bunch of games this week, and we don't have to talk Big 12 expansion like we did the last couple of months, Con- <laughs> nonstop. Uh, BYU and Arizona this weekend, a ton of great games. Uh, what do you think of week one in college football here? Well, like you said, a ton of great games. So unusual to have this many ranked teams playing each other. And even if they're not ranked, you know, Texas is not ranked, and yet I find myself as intrigued by the Notre Dame-Texas game as any of them. Um, you know, I, I feel like they divide into kind of two categories. A game like UCLA A&M, those are two teams that start the season with aspirations of winning their conference. And, and if you win your conference, you get in the playoff, and you need a win like this to, to build your resume. And then a game like Notre Dame-Texas, that's more about, I just want to know where those programs stand. You know, Texas is going through a huge transformation this offseason uh, Charlie Strong's completely changed his offense, We're installing the Baylor offense, probably with a freshman quarterback. I don't think anybody thinks the Longhorns are going to go from 5-7 and seven to the playoff, but I'm still very interested just in the general state of that program. And also Notre Dame, uh, Brian Kelly going with the very unusual, he's got two very good quarterbacks and he's going to play both of them. So, um, you know, games like that to me are interesting, whether or not they actually have, you know, implications down the road. We're going to wait most of the day to watch BYU in Arizona, who will play in the Cactus Kickoff in a later start from the University of Phoenix Stadium in Glendale, Arizona. I saw earlier today that you are calling for a high-scoring affair between the Cougars and the Wildcats. I think it combined 85 points. Who do you have winning that game, and why do you think it's going to be so much offense? Well, with the caveat that this is probably of the ones this weekend, one of the harder ones to truly gauge. And, and part of that is because of, you know, both schools. I mean, BYU has a new head coach, but uh, Arizona also made a big shakeup to his defensive coaching staff. They haven't been very good defensively in the past. I do have BYU winning it. Um, you know, I was count me surprised that Taysom Hill came back and won the starting quarterback job over Tanner Mangum. Good for him. that he was, If he was able to do that, that tells me he had a really good camp, that he is back to being the guy that, you know, was – starting to get high than buzz the last time he stayed healthy. Um, and Arizona just hasn't been a good defensive team since Rich Rod got there. Good offensive team, not a good defensive team. So that is why I predicted maybe the score gets up there uh, into the 40s. Let's say the best thing happens for BYU and Taysom Hill is healthy the entire season. What kind of national splash do you expect them to make with Taysom Hill as a healthy quarterback? Um. The thing with BYU, since they've become an independent, it's, I felt like it's been very boom or bust. You know, they play these very good teams right off the bat. Arizona, you know, three straight Pac-12 teams and then and then a Big 12 team. And so if they get off to a start like they did last season, actually, they get a lot of attention for that. But as soon as they lose a couple games, because they're not contending for, um, you know, a conference championship or even certain bowls, their, their bowl destinations are already, obviously, you know, set in stone before the season starts then I feel like they disappear completely off the map nationally, um, which is why, obviously, among many other reasons, uh, it would be really important for that program to get into a conference. I think independence made sense at the time, but the way the system is set up now, everything 
revolves around the, the college football playoff or the New Year's Six Bowls, um, that group of five spot even, you know, that's guaranteed, uh, and that is getting Houston so much attention right now, uh, just makes it really hard to keep up the national storyline if you're not playing in one of those conferences. Stuart, fantastic stuff. As always, we appreciate you taking the time out of a very busy day and week in your life to join us to talk about BYU, the Big 12, and uh, their game against Arizona. I know you have a good thing going with uh, the Audible, your podcast. How can we hear that, and uh, what's the easiest way we can all tap into that? Yes, myself and Bruce Feldman, we co-host the podcast twice a week. Uh, you can get it on uh, iTunes, Stitcher, any, any podcast app. And we're also excited to tell people that it'll become a Facebook live show on Saturday. Oh, so fantastic! Day, yeah, after the we'll try. We're aiming for after the big three thirty Eastern games end, and then the big eight o'clock Eastern games end. Uh, live from LA, uh, I'll be live from LA. Bruce will be live from Morgantown, West Virginia, where he's doing a sideline game. Um, we'll start dissecting things. Why wait till Monday? We'll start dissecting things right then and there. <laughs> Give it to us now, Stuart. <laughs> Great stuff. Thanks for the time, man. Thanks for having me. Stuart Mandel on Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, your values, your timeline, your financial future. He likes BYU 45-40 over Arizona, but said this is one of the harder games to pinpoint because of so many unknowns. Yeah, there is a lot of unknown. I think BYU fans think you know what's going to happen with Taysom Hill and Jamal Williams, but we have had very limited access to practice to be able to say, okay, this is what it's going to be like, this is what it's going to look like, and that's been by design. What do you expect from the BYU run game this season at Mr. Underscore Flintstone 94 says, I expect lethal balance, a three-headed dragon of a run game with Hill, Jamal, Squally that opens up scary play action. Taysom Hill in play action just sounds fantastic, doesn't it? Taysom Hill and fill in the blank for the most part (laughs) sounds great. Multiple Cougars take the field tonight in the NFL. We'll update you in the Cougar whip around. But first, where does the BYU-Utah rivalry rank nationally? It's a big deal, no deal. BYU Sports Station presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans all over the world. Everywhere. Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan live from Studio B. If you miss an episode of this show live, watch the rebroadcast weeknights on BYU TV at 6 Eastern. In today's show, Stuart Mandel of Fox Sports gives his prediction for BYU and Arizona, a high-scoring affair, he thinks. And he narrows his list of Big 12 candidates down to three. From the 12 or 9 or 8 or whatever it is that's being reported out there. Exactly. Hey, hang out with us Saturday night, 9.30 Eastern time for Countdown to Kickoff. It's our one-hour live pregame show. Also, we'll have live postgame coverage. So after the game on uh, Fox Sports 1, you can tune back into BYU TV as well for postgame reaction analysis and highlights. So come hang out with us starting at 9.30 Eastern time Saturday night. What do you expect from the BYU run game in game number one or this season for that matter? At AA14DK says Jamal breaks the record referencing the all-time rushing record at BYU. Taysom scores the most touchdowns. Algie gets five touchdowns. And five? Squally oh, the Canada has the longest run of the year. Interesting. I like that take. I want to mention this, by the way. Blaine Fowler, is, he's, he's on the call for the Utah State Weaver State game, which is the first ever game on uh, broadcast live to Twitter. So that's interesting, right? A new Our generation. Guy Blaine on the first game ever. That's cool. A new generation of college football consumption comes via the Twitter machine. And I always love when someone from the control room, you know who it is if you watch the show, just said, go Aggies in my ear. <laughs> so, <laughs> let's play big deal, no deal. Big deal. 
No Brought to you by Brady Industries, a provider of commercial cleaning supplies and equipment throughout the western United States for over 65 Wham. years. Brady Industries, clean solutions, a tradition for generations. Number one. Big deal, no deal. Mike Ampey tells BYU Sports Nation Brad Wilcox is ineligible to play this season. I'll go big deal. Uh, I thought there was maybe a shot he'd play. I, I had heard about this, um, but... The fact that you don't you have two guys that were starters the past couple of years or last year, Kyle Johnson had the most starts, I think twenty nine starts, that aren't coming back, that's a big deal. And we, we highlight Brad Wilcox. It be it means that someone that you would have probably had as a backup has to become a starter. Therefore your your third string guy is now a backup who could play. That's a big deal. I will say this is a big deal if BYU's offensive line struggles in that position. If they don't, if they're fine or they can manage and handle the fact that Brad Wilcox is not in the lineup, then really it's a, it's not a big deal. But we have to see an actual game to really determine if this is a big deal or no deal. Number two. Big deal, no deal. Taysom Hill is the first BYU QB to start four season openers. <laughs> I think this is a big deal. You think about the quarterback history at BYU, and there's never been anybody that started four. Obviously, injuries have played into this in, an, in a terrible and unbelievable way. But to me, it's a big deal. Four season openers and four straight? 2013, 14, 15, 16. This is a big deal because the name Taysom Hill is involved. Anytime his name is involved like in anything, it is now a big deal because he has one of the most polarizing careers ever in the history of BYU sports. Marred with injury, but these spectacular moments and plays and just the idea that he can do something special every time he touches the ball. I don't think we've ever encountered an athlete like Taysom Hill at BYU. And that's why it's a big deal, because he's involved. He's the best injury-riddled athlete in the history of BYU athletics. And so you want to see what he can do fully. Number three. Big deal, no deal. The ESPN FEI, which is some statistical mathematical equation that apparently spit out that BYU is a 33-23 point 33-23 to 23 victor over Arizona. Oh, and Stuart Mandel likes BYU as well. Mm. Uh, I'll go big deal just in that we're hearing a lot of rhetoric about BYU winning. Arizona actually a one-and-a-half point favorite in this. but I, I th- And I think they get probably one-and-a-half because it's in a neutral site in their state, in that state. So uh, I'll, go, I'll go big deal in this. I think that people are seeing that BYU is a quality program. Arizona has generally been a mediocre Pac-12 team. Two years ago, kind of peaked going to the Fiesta Bowl there. I say no deal because I think the ESPN FEI is projecting BYU to win 6.4 games this year, and I think that's a bunch of garbage. <laughs> well, it's closer to my prediction of seven, so I love and the And farther FEI. away from my prediction <laughs> of what Trevor Maddish called a dream season, nine wins. A dream season? <laughs> Number four. Big deal, no deal. The Sporting News ranks BYU-Utah as the 10th biggest rivalry in college football. No deal. We hear this thing every year. Uh, it's preseason. I'm shocked it, w- it came at in September and not in like May or June. But, uh, yeah, BYU-Utah is one of the best rivalries in the country. Is it like top five? You could argue that, the religious nature of that, the uh, power five struggle in the last few years and historically. Yeah, it's, it's no deal. We hear this one a lot. Anytime you're in a top ten, it's a big deal, man. It's a big deal. I want to be in a negative top ten. That would not be – you'd want to avoid the uh, conversation there. Brought to you by Brady Industries <laughs> Clean Solutions, a tradition for generations. An update on which Cougars take the field tonight in the NFL. It's the Cougar Whip Around next. Whoops. 
BYU Sports Nation presented in part by DexterLaw.com. Help when you need it most. Let's whip it. It's time for the Cougar Whip Around. Football is almost here, baby. Offensive line coach Mike Ampey told BYU Sports Nation Brad Wilcox is ineligible this year, and Kyle Johnson continues to deal with injuries. Sources tell ESPN the Big 12 has whittled its expansion candidates down to 12. BYU is among them. The new candidates mentioned yesterday that were not mentioned previously in other reports are Colorado State, Air Force, Rice, SMU, Temple, and Tulane. But really, Stuart Mandel says it's come down to three schools, BYU, Cincinnati, and Houston. Duh. USA Today says BYU gets Arizona's the 10th best game of week one, and it's the only game in the top 10 featuring two unranked teams. ESPN's Brian Fromo predicts BYU will beat Arizona 33-23 according to his FEI ratings. And uh, five Athlon Sports writers unanimously predict BYU to beat Arizona. Soccer! Ashley Hatch was named the NCAA Player of the Week after scoring all three goals in BYU's 3-2 upset win over Penn State. That was shocking, according to no one. Cross country! The men are 13th in the, this is a real thing, USTFCCCA, yeah, preseason rankings, and the women are 27th. Cougars in the NFL. Mitch Matthews has cleared waivers after being released by the Kansas City Chiefs and will work out for other NFL teams. The Chiefs have expressed interest in making him a part of their practice squad. And Ziggy Ansah, Kavanoi, and the Lions play the Bills tonight, 7.30 Eastern. DeAndre Wesley and the Ravens take on the Saints. Robertson Daniel and the Packers match up with Daniel Sorensen and the Chiefs. Paul Asike and the Bears play the Browns. All those games kick at 8 Eastern. Future guests on the show, including tomorrow. Lamont Lovett, Arizona radio analyst. We're going to ask him about that Arizona defense and if it really is a sinking ship. Joe Davis, Fox Sports 1 play-by-play man who will call the game. And Ashley Hatch, NCAA National Women's Soccer Player of the Week, not to mention a new segment on BYU Sports Nation. Oh, and the countdown reaches the pinnacle tomorrow. Hello. The confetti, man. You're not missing tomorrow's show. Are you kidding me? Today's Rise and Shout brought to you by Dexter and Dexter Help. When you need it most, DexterLaw.com. Jam, take it away. Bob Bowlesby. Okay. Our Twitter question, what do you expect from the BYU run game this season? Our elite tweet of the day, at A. Olson says, I expect a 2001 revival. Mm. Doman and Staley are going to beg Taysom and Jamal for their autographs after this season. I hope that Luke does. It'd be great to see him more. Thanks to Stuart Mandel, Mike Empey, and everyone on our crew. The conversation continues 24-7 on Twitter. Use the hashtag BYUSN. The show on demand, BYUSN.com. Audio podcast, as always, on iTunes and the TuneIn app. For Jerem Jordan, I am Spencer Linton. A shout-out to Aaron Cup and Harambe. <laughs> BYU Sports Station, back to work tomorrow. Harambe!